Hi everybody, welcome back uh, to the mission track. Delighted you can join us for session two, uh, understanding and engaging our world. Uh, if you're new today uh, to the track, it's great to have you here. Uh, Jeff is the pastor of Ballycombe Community Church and I am a youth worker uh, at the same church. Uh, just a quick overview of yesterday and what we unpacked. We were looking at our culture's greatest needs, which is knowing Christ, hearing the gospel. Morning guys, grab a seat. So there's a QR code up on the screen, and uh, if you would like to, you can take a picture of it, or there's one on the door as well, uh, to upload the notes, which is great. Brilliant. So yesterday we were looking at our culture's greatest needs, which is knowing Christ and hearing the gospel. We reminded ourselves about the passion of Patrick how he understood the gospel, but yet he was very aware of the obstacles, of the barriers, of the hardships that that would bring. So all of us here, we want people to come to faith. And a lot of us have tried hard in our context, whether that is in the suburbs, in the city or in the countryside. And at times it feels, it's very hard to get traction, isn't it? It's very hard, people just seem not bothered or not interested. We more looked seats then. Over here, sorry. Oh, <laughs> more seats over here if anybody's coming in. We then looked at the cultural shifts in Ireland from 2016 to 2022, and in that short space of time, we saw there was a 10% decrease in the biggest group in Ireland, which is Roman Catholicism. Jeff then took us through Acts 17, and I don't know about you, but my heart was burning as he was expounding the text and how Paul looked around and his heart was heavy for the people who were not worshipping the true God who had made them, but were worshipping false idols. And we looked at Paul's concern. And as I was sitting there, I had to ask myself the question, do, do I have that concern all the time? And the answer is no, we need God's help and his grace. Are we concerned like Paul? Are we concerned that people are not worshipping Jesus? Then we looked at Paul's content. What is the gospel? And how we need to be reminding ourselves of the gospel, setting our eyes on Christ so we can tell others. So to conclude session one, we were thinking through how Paul preached Jesus and the resurrection, but in context. He was looking at the people, he was engaging with them, he understood what their idols were, and he was finding those connection points. So I'm going to pass back over to Jeff, who's going to take us through a bit more of Acts 17. Okay, if you want to turn up Acts 17, uh, we're going to just be brief on Acts 17 today. So we have more time to discuss, and Philomena is going to be looking at where are we at in Ireland, understanding Ireland. But we're just going to briefly look at, at Paul's approach. I, by the way, actually, Stephen had a helpful comment just coming in here. When we are thinking about concern, and we do need to have concern, and our hearts are broken, and people are worshipping other idols, I, I don't want to guilt us all, because if you're, you know, working in the workplace, people are just working, you, get, you, know, you can't always be thinking 24-7 uh, what's happening, you have jobs to do if you're teaching, and they're not all worshipping that particular idol at that particular time. It's maybe whenever I was using things like sport or in the pubs and it's kind of obvious they're just living for pleasure they're doing that and then your hearts could be broken or you're at as Stephen said knock or, or they're worshipping shrines and, and things like this then you're going I badly missed the point here so just a, that was a helpful thing and, and if we might have time for questions at the end if you do want uh, to ask any questions and there's some more seats this direction uh, as well, if you want. So Acts chapter 17, Paul's approach. We see Paul's approach here in Athens, and I'm not going to read it all. We, we looked at it the last time. Uh, and how he sort of presented the gospel clearly, uh, yet he did it in a way that they, with little background, could understand. Dan Strange, in his book, Plugged In, says, None of us can escape our culture. When we approach the Bible, all of us look at it through a particular cultural filter, like colored lenses in a pair of glasses. So look at verses 17 and 18, just to see what Paul did in Athens, chapter 17, verse 17. So we see he reasoned 
in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there and some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also converse with him. So uh, the first thing we really see about Paul and his approach here is that he goes to them. Uh, he goes to the marketplace. He goes where the people met for leisure, where the, they discussed, he reasoned with the normal passers-by. The reality is, and it has been for years in Ireland, people don't come to your churches flocking, knocking down the doors. If you build it, they will come. does not work in Ireland. We have to go to them. Paul went to the marketplace. And then we have to ask ourselves, well, what is our modern day marketplace? Where do people discuss? Where do our neighbors have this opportunity? It might be individual homes. It might be at the park. It might be in toddler groups where moms can end up talking. Or it could be the pub where men will end up maybe gathering and talking. Sitting down, you get to chat. Where is the marketplace? Could be online now. We have to think how we can engage in that way. And so what we have to realize, because we did hear we were, some of us tempted maybe to be a bomb shelter yesterday, following on from what we're huddling together. Are we making an effort to go to the places? To engaging, to find out what are they believing? That's why I do, you know, I used to play it in a football team and went to the pub with them afterwards. And now I'm more helping with the coaching with the boys and, and, and discussing at the Parents uh, hanging out with them at the sideline. It's actually harder maybe for people in ministry. If you're in the workplace, you could be surrounded by unbelievers all the time. Uh, uh, the tricky bit is turning the conversation to profitable ones. But we do need to go to them. What else did you do? Look at verse uh, 18. He's, he's with the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers and and, and they say he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He was talking about Jesus. And, and we have seen that he is to be the focus already. Uh, but because he was speaking about Jesus, it, already, it caused a stir. And they brought him to the Areopagus. Uh, and really Athens court where big lectures were heard. And here we see Paul's approach uh, and with them in this way. What does he do here? Well, as I say, we've gone through some of this, but I want us to see that he understood where they were coming from. He understood them. He understands them. Verse 23, it says, he observed the objects of worship and their unknown God. He recognized what they were living for and he talked about it. He specifically identified the altar. So in many ways you could say he began where they were at. He started in a courteous way. Then he moves on to the gospel. But he understood it. Look at what he does in verse 28. Yes, he talks about their temples. He even quotes their own poets to make his point. Verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So he's been engaging with them. He knows what they're interested in. He hasn't been a little huddle, bomb shelter. He's actually kind of what we were saying, wanting to be the lighthouse that we heard this morning. Goes into their social networks, uses their language, recognizes what they are worshiping, understands their poets, so that he can talk in a truth, the gospel truth in a way that they can understand. And, and that's the challenge that we have to have. Do we understand the culture and the people around us? Do we know what they're reading, what they're listening to, and why? Can we quote their poets and then link it to the Bible? So that, this is tricky. You know, this is from old school. John Stott used to say you have the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. Now, you know, we need to know more what are they listening to online programs? I mean, why are reality TV dating shows so popular? Like Love Island. By the way, we sh that doesn't mean we should watch them. <laughs> we are to be different and holy. That, that's a whole other thing that we need to teach the church as well, by the way, because it can easily come in. But why is Barbie so popular? The movie. 
Can we use those things, quote those, to bring it? Uh, and yet still, as we've heard, be different, enjoy the privilege of holy living. There's a balance that we have to grasp there. We are not to sin. Or leader, or te- be tempted in that sense too. Well, we will be tempted, but not give in. So I want us to discuss just in the threes, if you're, if you're new, we got you in twos or threes or fours, and I want to do more discussion today, and we will do as well. How would you apply going and understanding in your context? Now, you might find that easy. So how can you improve at that? So just a few minutes, and then you can feed back to Philomena and I. So your time to work again. You've had a good morning listening to great teaching on Titus. We're going to do more work for you guys. Go. We're at the prayer at the start. We pray at the end. Cassia, you stay up with me and then we can. Why don't we pray after we feed back? Huh? Why don't we pray after we feed back? Right. Good day. While everybody's in. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know that we're all here. Yeah. Not all of you. I'm in prayer. Yeah, yeah, you pray. Yeah, after we discuss the Yeah, yeah, conversations afterwards because actually your context could be very different to ours and unique and and, and it's good to think it through yourself but anybody want to share back in some of the groups or I might end up pointing out to folks but yeah how how would you apply some of this or how can you improve in this area do you think who's going to go first well we were saying it's um more difficult now because everyone isn't just watching RT, everyone has their own cultural engagement with whatever echo chamber they're in or whatever podcast they're listening to, so actually it's not like you're engaging the same way culturally with everyone, everyone is likely to be different. Yeah, that's true, that's very true, so you need to know your own network of people, I do want to encourage that. And just to pick up on that, even in youth, Years ago, people were watching the same TV shows, but now you could have someone gaming online and their best friend is like living in Japan and they're having this online friendship. Yeah. 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 School and, and parents 
school, that whole yeah yeah i mean whatever your network of are in that's where you want to make use of and spend time with it with them so if you're a parent with kids you know that's going to be natural with to spend time with them and, and to try and engage with them yeah any any others i think, I think one of the things that struck me when you were talking on that one thing I found helpful is like how most friendships are built is on shared connection yeah. so whatever you're into you know even Gary picked up on that the weird things all his church family you're into use that like use that desire God's given you to connect with people yeah. were you going to say something Adam? Just, just an example that I get to know people in my neighbourhood it's all quite isolated they're builders they're carpenters and um, Friday afternoon is when they go to the pub so I just made intent to go into their world and visit their sites, you know what they're doing, yeah. and we share Christmases now and parties and also, but, but it's been a 10 year investment to get to know these people and to do things that I, I've never done before, like yeah. being on a building site, how about that? Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see that Adam, yeah. Uh, but I, I think we do have to make this effort as what we're just trying to spur you on to think about to go there. You know, I'd rather whenever I played football from 9 till 10 o'clock go home, but then I went to the pub till 10 till 12 at times, and you're like, but you, the conversations, the stories, uh, we've given out Bibles there as well, uh, has happened because you make that effort. I think in relation to understanding, which is even different again than yeah. going, I find it really helpful if I keep reminding myself where I came from myself, mm-hmm. and that the pe- I might never understand it because, because honestly, some of it's wacky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but they don't have the spirit of God yet, and I do, and I was just as ignorant as that. Yeah. So and God yeah. is going to work. So you just be patient, really, and gracious. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody's different and so we're going to I'm going to hand over to Philomena just going to go run through some of where people in Ireland are at but we know you'll have a network that might be not in that particular group but we're trying to do a little bit of overview So, Brilliant um, so where are we now in Ireland we had a little brief look through yesterday um, and we saw that Roman Catholicism has been a major player in Irish culture so we want to recognise other worldviews that are in Ireland, like Islam, and to give us a quick sense of these other worldviews in Irish culture, you can have a look either on your notes or on the board at the pie chart. We see up at the very top is the Catholic Church at 68.8%. Then we have the No Religion box, which is on the rise across Europe, not just Ireland. Um, then we have other Christians, Islam, Hinduism, and Unspecified. So you might be uh, sitting there thinking, what are the statistics for evangelical Bible-believing Christians? Uh, and it's estimated to be, tr- to be between 0.5% to 1% of the population. And these would be included in the unspecified 7%. So we don't have time to unpack every worldview. So we're going to think through the top two groups there. So Roman Catholicism and the no religion box in the last census. Um, So we're going to think through the influence of Roman Catholicism. And just as a caveat, I just want to say, you know, there has been um, abuse across denominations. We want to recognize that. Uh, But we are focusing in on Roman Catholicism today. We see that it's in decline. 69% of Irish citizens identify as a Roman Catholic as opposed to uh, 84 a decade ago. It's a huge decrease. Um, to take the principles from Acts 17, we want to understand the context that God has placed us in. So we can split this 69% into traditional Catholic and into nominal Catholic. And a Catholic journalist, John McGurk from The Grip, writes this. The true figure for Catholic 
in any kind of meaningful sense is probably much closer to 35 than it is to 69. And that's based on the fact that in most recent surveys to measure the number, 35% is about the number of Irish people who consider themselves to be weekly mass attenders, which means if both numbers are true, that just under half of all Irish Catholics don't bother attending mass, which is sort of fundamental to being Catholic. So this means that of the 69%, half of this group regularly attend Mass and practice Catholicism. So we're going to put that group as the traditional Catholics at 35% and the other group as the nominal Catholics at 34%. So let's have a think through of traditional Catholics at 35%. So these are people who will practice and attend Mass regularly. And they take Catholicism very seriously and they seek to live a Christian life of good deeds, uh, praying daily, participating in the sacraments, being a good person, obeying the laws. Um, and they'd obey the marriage laws of the church. They would support the church financially and they would traditionally accept the teachings of Christ and the Roman Catholic Church on the same level. They would also trust in the priest's understanding of the scripture above anyone else. To be Catholic is to be wrapped up in your national identity. And to not be Catholic is to betray your identity. And they're so greatly influenced by the community of Catholics around them. So we want to think through now in our groups, what are the barriers um, in sharing the gospel with a traditional Catholic? And another way that might help to answer that question, can you identify what their idols are? Because that will highlight what their barriers barriers are. So probably two minutes to discuss in your groups what are the barriers in sharing the gospel with a traditional Catholic. Off you go. Christians are the non-specified group. They're in the, you just said it, but it might have been a mistake. They're the, yeah, no, the evangelical wouldn't be in the 7%. Oh. They would be under the, the, the Protestant. They would be, they're under the evangelical. They're not in the unspecified, nobody ticked the box. And what, okay, so they're okay. more likely to be no religion. Yes, so, yes. so if it's 14% unspecified, whereas the Christians take Baptist, take okay, just, okay. just in case, but forget about it, but if it comes up, you wanted to say in the secular that yes, 14% is new religion, but 7% doesn't even take a box. Okay. So it's probably higher than 14%. Okay. I have to do this like 20 seconds and then I'm Yeah, I've got, I've got the church as an idol, the local community, GAA. Family. The barriers, they won't come to church, Protestant. And we can say, we'll be thinking more tomorrow about and say, how do we connect? Yeah. And come from. Yeah. In case they get into that now. Because they want to, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got timings in this, we don't have it. So okay. We're alright, alright. One minute? Yeah, get one minute. Okay, one more minute! One more minute! Oh, they're getting on the thing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. That's really the next two sessions are just going to be more discussion time. Yeah, but it's good in all ages, in their context, is us, so...
great to hear so much chat and keep those conversations going on to lunchtime. You could even say to the person next to you, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Let's let's keep our group going, let's let's keep on going to lunch. Um would anyone like to feedback? What are some of the barriers? Yeah, then. Yeah, hi, um, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but like uh, maybe there's like an urban rural divide where it's yeah. not quite the same across, you know. There's. But we moved down to North Wicklow and um, you know, for example, the, the local guard will cancel training on Saturday morning because there's a blessing on the graves. So, you know, I just wonder when you're calling people away from home Catholicism, are you calling away their minds from their community, yeah. from their mm-hmm. family, from their guard will, yeah. do you know what I mean? So yeah. being identity mm-hmm. with Absolutely. Yeah, we had the idol is the local community. The GAA clubs are wrapped up with it as a whole identity community. The priests will, you know, be invited to the, the sporting event. It's 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 all wrapped up together. Yeah. It's different in Dublin City. I mean, we we had the, the you know, and it depends on your network of friends. Because if you're in a network of friends. Who are actually involved in, say, the local Roman Catholic school? And that, that can be the case in cities as well. There's yeah. still a whole identity linked with the school, the GAA club, etc. Okay. Others? Another group? Molly? Just as I'm a relatively new Christian and from the Catholic background, mm-hmm. uh, for me, I find now when I speak to people who are traditional Catholic but also the, the, what the nominal Catholic, um, when you say that I'm Christian, like, so am I. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. Christian. Yeah. And when they ask for the difference between the two, when you say, well, uh, I, I'm Bible-believing, they're like, oh, we read, we read two readings every week at Mass. We have the Gospel at Mass every week. Um, what's the difference? And for me personally, it's, it, it is the priest because he, the two readings are read, the Bible or the Gospel is read, and then all of a sudden, that's the end of it. The sermon has nothing to do with what was just spoken about in the Bible. They go on to talk about behaving yourself, uh, yeah. drugs, alcohol, you know, and all the things that we have to do and to, to keep attending church. It's not, it's not, um, it, you, they don't connect the two together, I don't yeah. feel. And then with the sacraments then as well uh, of community, it, it's, you have to, you have to do this. Uh, you have to be baptised some months after you're born and, you know, that, that, creates a barrier there and then uh, just in terms of very focused on uh, Mary like most prayers are not prayers are not uh, said to God they're either praying to Mary to ask her to pray for them you know so they don't have that direct line and it's yeah yeah, so I find that that's hard to explain and to to get through to people yeah and the lady behind Molly yeah and just the statement, we're the one true church. Yes. It's like an immovable barrier. Yeah. yeah. And whatever you say, some people will just keep repeating, but we're the one true church. Yeah. yeah. So the church is actually an idol. Yeah. If you were to bring it down, they are devoted and will be set and be loyal to the church, the priests, the, the teachings, the, the one true church, as well as, you know, trying to split this up, you've got the church being an idol, you've got the local community. Catholic community is an idol and family, that's all wrapped up in the traditional. Yeah, even conversations with my aunties, that's even when you share the gospel, we're the one true church, that's kind of that's kind of the line that you often hear. Keith was saying that as well, there's like kind of yearning for going back to the good old days. Yes. You know, and, and that can become an idol in itself as well. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to engage and figure out how to connect and confront, so we're, this is the understanding it. So. I think we'll go on. Yeah. I think maybe just to throw one thing in. I think there's a deeper issue. And the issue is um, being afraid actually to end up in hell. You know, all the identity, everything that's caught up with the church. They actually, if they basically renounce the Catholic Church, they're lost. Yeah. You see, there's a deeper um, soul issue, I think. But then on the flip side of that, the Catholic Church will say you can never have assurance. And, that, and we'll talk more about that tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but we'll go on to our second group. Thanks so much for the feedback. It's, it's really, really helpful. And me and Jeff were reflecting that you guys have so much experience in the room. So we're thankful to be, to be here in partner and in hearing feedback. So let's think about the nominal Catholics now. Uh, these make up 34% of the population. So these are the people who would tick on a survey box that they're Christian but they only occasionally attend Mass and some of them never go to a church service and they don't even believe in a personal God. 
like, let alone Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. They're just going along with the flow of Irish culture. There's an amazing book which is available on the bookstall by Dan Strange called Plugged In. And he says this, no one stops to think. Most people I know don't think about culture or worship or ways of viewing the world or idolatry or felt wrath and felt grace. They're just living their lives. They're just scrolling through Facebook. They're just watching box sets. They don't stop to think. So many of my non-Christian friends and extended family fit into this category of nominal Catholic. And in general, deep questions are unspoken and they're not discussed in the day to day. People are very happy just to scroll through their life and not have that time to stop and think. But at times where I have had nominal Catholics directly ask me, uh, what, what do you believe or what does your group believe? Because they see us as a cult. Uh, you don't even have a building, you know, you meet in a school. Uh, this usually will happen at a party if you happen to have a friendship with them or a good relationship with them. And if they do ask questions, they kind of get you into the corner where no one else is. And after a crisis or a personal struggle, or after they've had a few drinks and those barriers are down, they've no idea what an evangelical Christian is. And they think, sure, everyone's a Christian, like Molly was saying. So nominal Catholics associate with the Catholic Church as an institution, but not its beliefs. They're Catholic in name only. So John McGurk from The Grit, he would classify himself as a nominal Catholic. And he says this, many amongst the 69% who call themselves Catholic call themselves Catholic in the same way that your correspondent calls himself a customer of Allied Irish Bank. They see it as a service provider rather than something fundamental to their identity. To many of them, it still exists as a place for the community to congregate, to mark big occasions. So we know that Catholic traditions like Catholic weddings, funerals, communions, confirmations are still important to them because it's seen as being loyal to your family. Um, the traditional Catholic is loyal to the church. The nominal Catholic is loyal to their family and their family traditions. And most of the traditions are a good excuse to have a few drinks and to have a party. At events. <laughs> My parents came to faith when I was a toddler and God in his grace brought me to saving faith at the age of seven years old at Easter time. I grew up going to a Catholic school. I had no Christian friends and I saw all my friends make their communion and confirmation. And during the confirmation, typically at the age of 11 and 12, you're encouraged, you don't have to, but you're encouraged to take the pledge. And this is to not drink alcohol until you're 18. So after their confirmation, two lads of my class came into school the next day and they were like, oh, my family took us to the pub and we had a party and my uncle even gave me a few sips of beer. So even though they'd just seen them take the pledge. So nominal Catholics are Catholic in name only. So I was very confused by this as a little girl. Um, but uh, confirmation and communions are still widely practiced among nominal Catholics. So much so that I went to this huge party shop to get balloons for youth group and they were sold out of balloons and I asked why and he said there's so much demand for communion confirmation parties. So John McGurk writes again, it's good to hear from nominal Catholics. Irish people or a large number of them have managed to divorce the beliefs of the church from the rituals of the church and have found that they still quite enjoy the rituals. So uh, this is where we put you guys to work. What are some of the barriers in sharing the gospel with a nominal Catholic? So give two minutes to have a chat. And an idol's behind it as well. So see if you can think Moral we'll be all right. Thank you. 
that and they came up people at Ballycullen who have been nominal Catholic who have come to a church and they haven't understood the gospel but they belonged first to the community and then over probably the period of five years they did come to faith yeah and um, one more group or any idol behind us you think oh at the back sorry my question why we are not looking for something in common with this Catholic uh, we start from like we see Paul when he saw the unknown God he took something not in common at all and he did it as a starting point to reach the gospel. So I think all of you came from the Catholic background uh, in Ireland. So you understand the culture very well. So why I don't use Jesus and the Bible to start from there as a common point? Why uh, should it be good for a guy? To go on a shirt tomorrow's session. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest way to say it. We're just trying to understand the culture today. We're going to be engaging getting the connection and confronting tomorrow. So come back tomorrow. Uh, yeah. And well, actually, I know we're all living in Irish culture, but when you stop, when we, when we stop to think, we, we notice things, even though we've been living here, that maybe we haven't noticed before. So it is good to stop and think. But thanks for that comment. We'll be going into that tomorrow's session. And we're going to move on. And we're going to go into the rise of secularism. So this is the second largest group who've ticked 
the no religion box, and maybe at 14%. But we're seeing nominal Catholics kind of merge into this group yeah. now. Um, so a secularist is someone who believes that, you know, religion shouldn't be in the public forum. It has no place in the social and political activities of a country. And we've seen this in our school system, haven't we? You only have to... Uh, drive around and you see more of the Educate Together schools which have an ethos of no religious education whatsoever in schools. So as we think through the rise of secularism in Ireland, we can split this group into three categories. And some people that we're engaging with in our communities are most likely going to fit into more than one of these categories. Uh, so here are three categories. They are anti-religion, pick a mix and the modern self. So we have anti-religion, pick a mix, and the modern self. So anti-religion, they would say the Catholic Church is not relevant. In fact, it's been the source of so many problems in our country. Pick a mix, they would say, you know, people like to have a little bit of religion when they need it, and I'll take some from there and some from over there. The modern self, we're seeing more and more of this in movies and scrolling on Instagram. They would say your authenticity is achieved by acting outwardly in association with how you feel. So you can be truly yourself if you act out how you feel. And uh, Mark picked up on that this morning, didn't he? He said, you don't need uh, the genuine me, you need me, self-controlled by the spirit. Um, so this living out how you feel has greatly impacted sexual ethics in Ireland. As Sam Albury says, this is what the culture is saying. Our bodies belong to us and we can do with them as we please. So let's take a deeper look at our first group. First, we have anti-religion. There have been many, many films and books produced about the abuse that was uncovered in the Catholic Church and the things done in the name of God, um, which have been quite recent as well. The mass baby grave that was found in County Galway in 2017, the running of the Magdalene laundries throughout Ireland and the abuse of children in Catholic-run schools. They play a huge factor in the rise of secularism. Many people in Ireland have family members who suffered abuse, and that pain is still felt a generation later. Uh, during the abortion referendum with repeal the 8th in 2018, there were many signs aimed directly at the Catholic Church. Get your rosaries off my ovaries. 796 people died in Galway. Keep your creed off my womb. There's huge hurt in Ireland in the no religion camp. And this hurt is one that's very personal to my own family. Um, to this day, I have never seen the film Philomena, and I couldn't because it was too painful. In the name of church and in the name of God, my grandmother, Philomena, had a daughter, Mary Bridget. And Mary Bridget was taken away by the Catholic Church because she was born out of wedlock. Mary Bridget would never see her mother, Philomena, again. And she was only three years old when she was taken away. Mary Bridget was raised in a harsh industrial school where she was physically abused. But I got to meet Mary Bridget and she was a beautiful Irish woman and she was my auntie. And it was really weird. We drove down to West Cork and I watched as my dad picked out who his sister was from a lineup outside a cottage. I walked with her, I knew her, and I saw her weep at the graveside of a mother that she never got to know. So the pain of the past carries on. So when you connect this past Ireland to present day Ireland, it's understandable why this group believed that religion should be gone. Irish musician Hosier shot to fame. He's from Bray with his song, Take Me to Church. And it's really his story of criticizing the church. And he thinks that having faith is absurd. So our second group in this category is pick a mix. This group are the people who like to have a little bit of religion when they need it. And a question that this group is asking, is there a way we can control our lives? Is there a way we can control our destiny? This is where turning to a pick and mix religion uh, of traditions brings them a sense of control. It's going for a new job, manifest your job and your thoughts beforehand. See yourself in that job. Want a romantic relationship? Put some crystals in your clothes for good luck. Is someone you love sick? Sending good vibes and energy into the universe to attract healing. Do you want good things to happen to you? Sure, do good things and you'll get them back in return. 
But this is a really cruel system, isn't it? Because it sets you up for failure. And as humans, we think, we like to think we're in control and have some level of control over our lives or a situation. But the reality is we're not in control. Some of the issues we're facing is the housing crisis in Ireland. We're seeing the war in Ukraine on our screens, the refugee crisis, the level of homelessness in our country, and the raging wildfires across Europe. There's a tension between wanting this freedom, this autonomy, this control, but yet we are tied to the fate of events in our lives as they unfold. So if you imagine this group, it's like they're at a buffet and all of them have a place and they go around and they survey all the different world cultures and they say, oh, I like the sound of that karma stuff, but let's mix it in with education with no religion. Um, or, and for dessert, I'll just add in the power of crystals and the secret of manifesting my dream life. In this group, we're likely to see a mix of the following new age beliefs, humanists and agnosticism. There's an Irish comedian Catholic, called... So even- what? Thanks, Jeff. He's on the ball. <laughs> He's awake. <laughs> this is Irish comedian Ashling B, and she captures this very well on the Jonathan Ross show in 2020. Take a look. I was brought up Catholic, so even if you decide to sort of get rid of that, it always stay. Like I have crystals in my bra right now. Wow. Just in case. In case, in case what? I don't know. <laughs> Super sassy when you go out in the couch, but I think we can now say Hold that have you really, crystals don't work. Have you really got crystals in your bar? Yeah, this way isn't that, yeah, I just would always put like a little, I mean, just. Wow. Yeah, because I'd always put them in my bra for a gig, just to make sure the gig would go well, rather than relying on work and craft. There you go. But maybe you didn't need to see it. It's so funny, no one believes her, and then she goes on, and then the audience goes, oh! <laughs> they gasp. Uh, our third group in this uh, section is The Modern Self, or otherwise known as Expressive Individualism. And a book that was um, recommended today was by Carl Truman, Strange New World. I highly recommend you pick it up, it's very good. So this group would say your authenticity is achieved by acting outwardly in accordance with your innermost feelings, which is what Disney has been telling little children for years you can be truly yourself when you're when you're living out how you feel despite if it goes against your biology or despite if it goes against the way that, in which the world currently functions so a staff member at the gospel coalition writes this this modern view of identity is often called expressive individualism the idea that deep within are feelings and desires that must be discovered and unlocked and expressed to become a true self Identity is now found in one's desires, while in the past it was found in one's duties and relationships with God, family and community. So today, this view of identity is not conveyed with arguments, but it's presented as a given that everyone should be thinking this way. And slogans such as, uh, be true to yourself and live your own truth. They're constantly, we're constantly being bombarded with these messages, aren't we? Like in conversation, newspaper, uh, RTE, as we're scrolling. And any other view is seen as repressive, backwards, you're from the dark ages. That's not a very healthy way to think. So this expressive individualism has has impacted sexual ethics in Ireland. And as I was researching this, I was like, okay, how do we condense this section down? But there seems to be a pattern in Irish culture. So here's the pattern. There's three things. Firstly, we were sexually oppressed in the past. So to be true to yourself, you have to break free and you have to express yourself by taking off these shackles. Second thing we see is we have the right for authentic expression. Our bodies belong to us and we can do with them as we please, as Sam Albury says in his book. Three, We will fight to love whom we want to love. And we're seeing this happening right now, aren't we, in Irish society? We believe in the right to love whomever we choose in a consensual relationship. This is who I am. Don't let anyone tell you who you can and cannot love. So in the past, in the public sphere of sexual ethics, we could agree to disagree. But now it has swung. We have to accept this position or rather embrace it, celebrate it with flags, with weeks. Otherwise, we're labelled as intolerant, unloving, you're backward, you're living in the dark ages, and you're even bigoted. So in the past, Christians were asked, how do you know the Bible's true? 
you know, or, but now, or how do you know Jesus rose from the dead? But now the first question usually is, uh, do Christians hate gay people? Isn't Christianity bigoted because we should be free to love whomever we want? So considering these three groups, no religion, pick a mix, and the modern self, what are the barriers to sharing the gospel with a secularist? Or can you identify their idols? So I'll give you three minutes for this one. <laughs> Off you go. Tom? You're all right. It's just me to conclude, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, it's good we're doing five. Yeah, we said we're on time, yeah. We're doing five groups tomorrow, and we're taking these ones individually because this is the growing group, and I think some of them are phenomenal. Yeah, we're doing traditional nominal. Yeah, yeah. But I think some of them might think, so we might flag that up. Discussing this is a big growing group as we know the fastest and will be more popular in cities uh, and in Dublin and South Dublin the most uh, is actually the reality so what's uh, what feedback have we got barriers to sharing the gospel with this group mixed group
you can't have a place in society because we're inclusive. Yeah. There's, there don't, there's, there's a blindness Absolutely. to the, to the irony. The, the meaning of tolerance. We actually, I was looking for another building for the church a while ago and I emailed one that was being built and they emailed me back. We want to be open to the whole community, so we're excluding religious groups. <laughs> I, I did my best to respond gently. Uh, but you know, you're just like, uh, yeah, so the whole idea, tr tolerance, uh, yeah. Other folks? Barriers to this? An idea of progressiveness? Yeah. Yeah, I think people, um, and they're not usually aware of this, they can't abide the idea of being perceived as not being progressive. Mm. So their beliefs are very caught up with that identity. Yeah. So they can't they can't bear to even think about why they believe these things because it's it's so much. And it's it's really the same as Catholics, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, you're it's so much part of your identity you can't even conceive of thinking yeah. in a different way. Uh, fed by the media, uh, which, you know, when you see the percentage, you think the media is, uh, everybody believes us. It actually isn't, uh, but uh, when you engage with people, but that's what's being pushed, yeah. It's an idol of freedom as well, in that you can live your life whatever way you want. Yeah. If you sign up to these documents. Yeah, yeah. In young people, I see people pleasing. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? That the pressure to, to go with the crowd. Yeah. I think we'll engage uh, tomorrow. We're, we will look at uh, sort of the five areas that we've, you know, because this is the growing one, these three areas, and think how do we connect? How do we then confront? So we are going to move on to that. Uh, but we probably do need to bring it in a close. But any questions, actually? Any, any particular questions that I was told to ask that? Uh, I'm, not ju I'm just doing what I'm told up here. <laughs> <laughs> How much is this just uh, what happens inside the houses, like a way for Europe? Because I grew up in the North, and I'm the North, and that's just like the North. That's yeah, the North is, so you know, it's... No different, really. So it's, I'm just wondering if Europe, Western yeah, absolutely. And actually, even in the States, they'll say they're heading in that direction now, too, in Western, you know, but they're a bit further behind, uh, you know, but yeah, we're, we're racing towards this in the UK, uh, you know, yeah, so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking how quickly it's happened in Ireland. Would you say that it's maybe come from a, a position of prosperity and privilege as well. You know, pe people don't need to rely on yeah. things. They, yeah. You know, find yeah. them. So, so many things have probably failed this. Uh, yeah, good. Now, so, so okay, how do you manage the tension between being accepting of people and warm, even when they say stuff like, I believe in karma, and the challenging thing? Because, like, I sometimes meet Christians who are all about, like, Challenge, you know, challenge, you know. The boxing ring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, but sometimes I lean the other way too. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like, that's how you. Let's figure that out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> how do we uh, connect and confront? Uh, but, <laughs> oh boy, I'm setting myself up for a fall. Let's. Jeff pulls a sickie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, let's just wrap it up. You, it might seem a little bit depressing. You, we could think this because, you know, this rise of secularism, they just don't want to think about it. Uh, and yet there is still a lot of traditional nominal Catholics around and it does still affect them hugely. But just look at the end of Acts 17, uh, 32 to 34, uh, what Paul preached. Because when he preached here, it was a huge revival. They all flocks came to Christ. They filled the sports stadium. He put on a white suit. So, uh, you know, none of, look at what happened. Verse 32. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, we'll hear you again in this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. There's three responses. Some mocked him. So we've got to realize people will mock us when we speak the truth, when we live the truth. But they will call us bigots, 
fundamentalists, idiots. No, we, let's hope we're not being an idiot because some people can still be that and you then use that as an excuse to not be respectful. But we have to expect mocking will come when we're different. But the encouraging thing is some people were curious. They say, we want to hear you again in this. And as we share our life with people, hopefully if they see a difference, they will have that response. And it does seem it might take time. But then look at what happened to third response. Some eventually believed. It was actually after he left the council. Say then a few men believed and followed. So, you know, there is hope. In a secular society where people don't know God, aren't interested or worshipping all these other gods, people are still coming to Christ in Ireland too. And may ask, well, I, I want to have you. may take time, but that's ultimately what we long for. Let me pray. Uh, Father, thank you uh, again for rescuing us. If we were dead in our sins, we'd be worshipping all these other idols, following false religion or living for whatever. Uh, only because of your grace. And as we know we're being rescued just through grace, help us to think how we can be used to understand, how we can be motivated to go, and then ultimately to engage and share Jesus with them. So we pray uh, for your help in this, uh, and thank you for our time together as people of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.